today excited to be sharing with you a biblical study during the, the life we've got of the coronavirus. I'm in the chapel uh, at the Lanier Theological Library. It's where we're broadcasting from live. I've got uh, my family and a few others that uh, don't break the quarantine rules that are here. And mostly, though, I'm speaking to you on the internet, and I'm honored that you're a part of this with us. This is a biblical study while living with the coronavirus, and people are reacting to this pandemic differently all around the place. My daughter, Gracie, has come up with her idea. Now, Gracie's a pet owner. They've got two boxers, and, and Gracie's idea was that they need to take those pet cones and sell those pet cones for people because the animals are telling us it's for your own good. You've got to stop touching your face. And it plugged me into a number of different memes that are out there right now. Uh, the insurance meme, like a good neighbor, stay over there. Uh, I loved this meme. Our cleaning lady just called and told us she'll be working from home and will send us instructions on what to do. And then if you follow things to buy on the internet, you won't want to miss the commemorative jewelry to always remember 2020 by uh, the toilet paper pearl earrings. Perhaps one of my favorites was Grandpa tell us a story about the olden days, and Grandpa replies, back before the great toilet paper war of 2020. We had so much toilet paper, we used to hang it off the houses and trees of our enemies, or friends for that matter. But I'm not sure wrapping houses is uh, as popular these days as it used to be. So let's just suffice it to say that right now there is a lot of fear and a lot of concern over the COVID-19 virus, what it means and what it can do. If you look at the headlines of the storm clouds that have gathered and, and are starting to rain here uh, in the United States, but world over. Uh, just yesterday, the headline where a nurse described the New Orleans hospital conditions. And she said, we're averaging five to seven intubations and three to four deaths a day. We've had to set up a temporary morgue outside the emergency department next to the ambulance ramp for those who die from COVID-19, and this temporary morgue is full, the nurse said. As of yesterday, we've got over 2,000 coronavirus deaths in the United States. We also know that at least 215 million Americans are under stay-at-home orders. Times Square, empty. It's an unusual world right now. And so as we look at this world, it's a time for us to turn to Bible study while living with coronavirus issues. And so the Bible study that we're going to go to will allow us to flee into the pages of Scripture. And that's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to commence and use as our basis the Old Testament book, or Hasefer uh, in Hebrew, of, of Isaiah. We want to go to Isaiah chapter 40, and that's where we're going to commence. Now, anytime we study the Bible, our standard rule for biblical study is a three-step process. First, we read the text. Second, we try to understand it. We try to understand the context, the language, what's going on in it. And then once we've read it and understood it as it was originally conveyed to an audience, we then try to apply it to today. 
So with that as the understanding, let's read the text together. And to do that, uh, uh, we will go to the Elmo. And uh, here we've got the text. We are in Isaiah chapter 40. I've got my uh, trusty little marker. Thank you, uh, Galco Technologies, for this marker. Shout out to Galco. It's a good highlighter. Comfort, comfort. By the way, they don't pay for that. That's like a free thing because they use their pens all the time. Comfort, comfort. They give them to me. That was a gift. Comfort, comfort, my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, her iniquity is pardoned. She's received from the Lord's hand double for her sins. So that's the passage where we want to start. That's the passage being read. So if we start out reading the passage, where do we go from there? Well, I told you it's a two-step process. First, we read the, process, uh, the, the text, and then we need to understand it. So let's understand this text together. This is a text that talks about God's broken heart with Israel. And the heart wasn't broken because of something God did. God's heart was broken because of what Israel had done. Israel had lived unfaithfully to God. The rich were taking advantage of the poor. The orphans and the widows were being trampled upon in their rights. The courts had become places of injustice rather than justice. Uh, people were not loving their neighbors. They were abusing their neighbors. The, the, the power structure and political structure was corrupt and worked for its own ends and profit. And into this, God says, I'm going to come visit Israel. The red part that I've got here, that was Israel at the height of Israel. Now, if you've got Israel here, or we'll put the Star of David... That's Israel. Isaiah prophesies, and he says, because of what you're doing, the judgment of God's going to come on you. And it's first going to come down from Assyria. And the Assyrian king is going to invade Israel and cart Israel off into captivity. And that indeed happened. The Assyrian Empire, under Shalmaneser V especially, came down and absolutely rendered the northern ten tribes of Israel into non-existence. Isaiah goes further and he says it's not just going to be a problem with Assyria, but it's also going to be a problem with Babylon. And Babylon will come later, and Babylon's going to come and destroy Judah. Actually, they don't cross through the desert there. They came up and over as well. But Nebuchadnezzar is going to come and finish rendering Israel completely destroyed. That's what was going to happen. So Isaiah spends chapter after chapter after chapter putting this prophecy out there. Saying that God's going to tear Israel apart. Ezekiel's got a vision of this as well. And so into, into this state of, of God recognizing the destruction that's going to come about 
of Israel. Ezekiel has a, a vision explaining it after it's happened. And part of what Ezekiel's explaining as he wrote from captivity is found in Ezekiel chapter 10. In Ezekiel chapter 10, Ezekiel describes the glory of the Lord departing from the temple in Jerusalem and leaving Jerusalem desolate. And God's going to leave Jerusalem behind. And God gets up and he leaves. And that's when Nebuchadnezzar comes in and Nebuchadnezzar conquers. The prophet Jeremiah prophesied during this time about how much trouble Israel was in with a promise that God would bring redemption. But I don't think we understand the depths of despair unless we look carefully at what happened. So I've pulled up Psalm 137. Psalm 137 is a psalm that lays out the despair of those Israelites who had managed to survive and be uh, deported to Babylon. By the waters of Babylon, there we sat down and cried. We wept when we remembered Zion, Mount Zion is, is the, a reference to Jerusalem and the temple specifically. On the willows we hung up our harps, or our lyres. For our captors required of us songs, our tormentors, joy or mirth, saying, sing us one of those songs of Zion. How shall we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? If I forget you, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget its skill. Let my tongue stick to the roof of my mouth. If I don't remember you and set Jerusalem above my highest joy. And then look at this. Remember, O Lord, against the Edomites the day of Jerusalem. Whoops. Lay it bare, lay it bare down to its foundations. <clears throat> That's what they were saying when Babylon, who's doomed to be destroyed was tearing apart Israel. And I, I'm especially moved by the way this psalm ends. Blessed, this is the psalmist who's just in the middle of travail, shall be he who repays you with what you've done to us, he who takes your little ones and dashes them against the rock. Now that's what that's what they had to endure. That's what they had to visibly see. That's the utter destruction that was coming upon Jerusalem because of Jerusalem's disobedience. Because Jerusalem walked from God and walked out from the umbrella of protection that God had put over them. And God told them, you walk outside the umbrella. It wasn't like God didn't give them warnings. He gave them warning after warning after warning. He sent prophet after prophet after prophet. He said, get your act together or this is going to happen. Absent God's divine protection, Israel was in a place where they were going to be devastated by foreign conquering powers. It would take God's divine protection to keep that from happening to Israel like it happened to everyone else in the world. And God said, I'll give you my divine protection if you'll walk 
as I've instructed you to walk. But if you're not going to be my people, then you'll get treated like the rest of the world. And this is what that means. This is what's coming. The amazing part about all of this, though, is into this context, if we go back to the PowerPoint for just a moment, into this context, we find the passage where God tells Isaiah and through Isaiah the people, comfort ye, it's plural. So why doesn't say comfort you? Comfort ye, comfort ye my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to them. And if you read through the rest of Isaiah chapter 40, you know why. You know that Israel will be in travail, but God wants them to know the travail is not the end. It doesn't end there. If we go back to Isaiah 40 on the IPVO for a moment, the travail doesn't end there. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem. Cry out to her. Look what it says. Verse 3, a voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley will be lifted up, every mountain and hill made low. The uneven ground shall become level and the rough places a plain and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. In Hebrew, kipi Adonai diber. This is what Isaiah is saying. He says God's leaving Jerusalem to itself. They don't get the divine protection anymore because they choose not to live under God's umbrella of protection. They say, we're going out in the storm, fine, the storm's going to come. And as Ezekiel prophesied, God gets up and leaves the temple, metaphorically. But metaphorically, God says, comfort my people and tell them, that there's going to be the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, because God is coming again. God will come back to Jerusalem, but not just to Jerusalem. In the midst of the travail, in the midst of everything else, God will be coming back, and not without effect. See, every mountain is going to be brought low. Every valley is going to be lifted up. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, Isaiah said, and all flesh shall see it together. This isn't simply for the Jewish people. This is for all people. Jew, Gentile, male, female, Middle Eastern, African, European, Asian, South American, North American, all flesh to behold the glory of the Lord. Um, I'm here at our chapel, and in our chapel, up above me, if you could see it, we've got a number of different things that are painted. I've tried to put them into the PowerPoint here, but one of the things I've had painted on our ceiling is based on this passage. The painting right above where I'm standing right now is of the prophet Isaiah, and it says uh, there in the Hebrew, penu, 
Derek Adonai. Prepare the way of the Lord. As a Christian, we see this fulfilled. John the Baptist is listed in Scripture as the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. It was John the Baptist who came as the messenger ahead of time to show people. It was John the Baptist who was preparing God coming back to his people in his glory so that everyone could behold the glory of the Lord. That's the beauty of the Christian message, that Jesus wasn't simply a good old guy. He wasn't simply a nice fellow with some pretty good philosophical teachings. He was the glory of the Lord coming for all flesh to see together. This was God returning to his people. This is God manifesting that comfort, comfort ye my people. And so we get that. And, and Isaiah 40 continues, if we go to the Elmo for a moment, the Ipivo, continues to talk about all of this. And, and, and it's all within the confines of comfort, comfort my people. Um, Isaiah 40 gives a great description of, of what uh, we believe to be a, of Jesus. And, and if we go to the PowerPoint now for a moment, I want to tell you guys, uh, every day, uh, weekday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, on our Biblical Literacy Facebook page, I'm posting a short little message. But one of the messages of encouragement and hope, and, and if you're not uh, uh, following those, you can get on Facebook. Biblical Literacy is the website, and you can uh, see those each, each day that you choose to. But the one for tomorrow that I'm planning on comes from the Gospel of Matthew. The Gospel of Matthew does a marvelous job at applying this passage. This was uh, reminded to me in an email from... Uh, buddy Larry Burgess this week and it's a it's a great passage so look for example at Matthew if we go to the IPVO here we are the gospel of Matthew and it starts out in the very very first chapter it quotes this uh, an earlier passage in Isaiah Isaiah 7 14 behold the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and they'll call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. This is what we've got. Jesus is the return of God to be with his people. Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, is the prophetic answer for God to the travails of Israel or anyone else. And the Gospel of Matthew not only starts out there, but then tells the story of John the Baptist using Isaiah 40 and quoting it as the one who is a voice crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. And you can read throughout the whole Gospel of Matthew, and in the very end, the very last verse is a bookend to this. 
Go to the very last verse of Matthew. And Jesus says, as the very last words, Behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. And that's the promise and that's the assurance that we have. Those are the bookends of Matthew. The bookends of Matthew are bookends that say, Behold, I'm with you always, even to the end of the earth. And so within the framework of that, we've got God leaves his temple. His people walk out from under his protection. He promises restoration. His people respond. But God in the midst of that is always speaking a word of comfort, assuring us that he will come back. His glory will be made manifest and will be with us to the end of the ages. And that's where we are. So if we've now read the text and we've now understood the text, we go to step three. Let's apply the text. So how does this apply to us today? What do we do with this? Well, it's hard for me to tell where you are and what's going on in your world. Uh, maybe you're having school at home and it's not the most fun thing in the world. Our nephew Davis is at Wake Forest Law School and he's uh, having to do law school from home. This is a picture of him. Not really, he's a little bit older, but he's in here right now, so I had to throw that uh, grenade his direction. Uh, but doing school at home. A lot of people right now are trying to figure out how to do work at home. Being cooped up at home undoubtedly has produced stress on some relationships. I'm sure some people are at wit's end as daycare is no longer available and so many other things. There's uncertainty that reigns around us. A lot of people have monetary concerns. They've lost their job or, or fear they might lose their job. And heavens, some people, the tragedy of their health concerns. Into all of that, we can properly apply, comfort ye, comfort ye, my people, says your God. Speak tenderly. We can apply that as an admonition for all of us to offer a measure of comfort to those people in the world right now. If you are stressed about this, if you are worried about this, if you are concerned, if you're frightened, if your anxiety meter is peaking, if your worry gene is flashing, Let's speak comfort to those folks. And the comfort's very easy to speak. The comfort to those folks is a comfort that says, God is with us. He will ne neither leave us nor forsake us. That's the promise. Isaiah 40 starts out, comfort, comfort, my people, comfort ye, comfort ye, my people. The end of the chapter is fascinating. The end of the chapter has a marvelous word of comfort for the people. So right at the very end of the chapter, we've got the following. God 
gives power to the faint. To him who has no strength or might, God increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary and young men will be exhausted, but they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings like eagles. They'll run and not be weary. They'll walk and not faint. That's the promise. The PowerPoint slide that I chose for this is one to illustrate just the, the beauty of this picture. That those that wait upon the Lord will soar like eagles. That's one of many promises of God. Right now, Uncle Ken is watching, and Uncle Ken is probably singing this song, Standing on the Promises, a song we sang in church when I was a young man. Standing on the promises that shall not fail. I had uh, my friend, Pastor David Fleming, volunteer for an assignment. My, my friend, uh, uh, Pastor David, I asked him, you know, I'm, this is the message, and we were talking about it and working through it. And I said, I'm thinking I want to, uh, to give a list of promises to people from Scripture, where God's made promises. And he says, I'll own that assignment. And I got an email from him with, I don't remember if it was 26 or 27 pages of promises of God that are taken from the Bible. And it's interesting if you look at the title here. I love this. He's entitled it, whoops, and there we go. Some of the promises of God. There are more. So this 27 pages just contains things about how not one word of all the good promises the Lord made to the house of Israel had failed. All came to pass. Matthew 24, God says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Uh, these promises go on and on and on. Look at Psalm 34. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous, his ears toward their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil, but when the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him or her out of them all. This is why the psalmist can write in Psalm 46, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way. These promises of God run deep. Zephaniah, one that a lot of people don't know often, but Zephaniah 3.17, the Lord your God is in your midst. He, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love, exult over you with loud singing. These promises go on and on and on, and I don't have time to read 27 pages of them. So here's what I'll do instead. 
If you want a copy of those, we're glad to email them out to you. I'll put up on the PowerPoint screen here uh, the email address for you. So if we put that up, Brent. Thank you. Um, info at LanierFoundation.org. Uh, shoot us an email. We're glad to send you all of the promises of God. Info at LanierFoundation.org. If you've got my private email address or David's uh, private email address, you can email us privately as well. But info at LanierFoundation.org will email you 26 pages and you can read through them as you want to. That's what we want to do because we've been instructed by God, comfort ye, comfort ye my people. So in this day, in this age, as people react differently to this pandemic, our biblical study affirms for us that God is in control, that, that, that weeping may last for a night, but rejoicing comes in the morning, that the travails of the righteous are many, but that God is a refuge. And the important thing is that God is with us. He has not abandoned us, nor will he. And a person of faith who can say that need have no fear. Thank you. God bless you. I'll see you next Sunday here. But if you want to watch the daily thoughts that we're putting out, just go to our Facebook page, Biblical Literacy. God bless you all.